BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst, Glenn Kirshner. Did the Georgia grand juror harm D.A. Fannie Willis's election crimes case against Trump and his associates when she spoke to reporters? Here's Glenn. So friends, have you seen some of the breathless attacks and accusations against 30-year-old Emily Coors, the forewoman of the Georgia State Grand Jury who put her life on hold for eight months, as did her fellow grand jurors, to sit there and hear endless evidence about the Georgia state election crimes of Donald Trump and others. Well, Ms. Coors gave some interviews about her experience as a grand jury, and then we saw some histrionics, like this headline, Georgia grand juror imperils Trump case with bizarre media tour. No. Actually, Ms. Coors didn't imperil anything. So, you know, to all of the Trump loyalists and lackeys and sycophants, why don't you just go ahead and drag your fainting couch back into the closet because Emily Coors did nothing wrong. But friends, don't take it from me. Take it from Judge McBurney, the Georgia State Court judge who had supervisory authority over the special grand jury. Here is what Judge McBurney said in an interview he just gave to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution about why Miss Coors imperiled exactly nothing. Why Miss Coors was entitled to do precisely what she did and then some. Here's what Judge McBurney had to say in an article in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, specifically under the heading, McBurney Weighs In. In a Wednesday interview, Judge McBurney said he met with the special grand jurors at the end of their service to explain what they may legally discuss with anyone, not just the news media. Quote, they cannot discuss their deliberations, he said. So the question becomes, what are deliberations? And as I explained, that would be the discussions they had amongst themselves when it was just the grand jurors in the room, when they were discussing, what do we do with what we've learned, said Judge McBurney. But if an assistant DA or a witness is in the grand jury room, they, the grand jurors, can talk about what happened then. The judge said, that's not deliberations, that's presentation. And they, the grand jurors, are not prohibited from talking about that, nor are they prohibited from talking about the fruit of their deliberations, which would be their final report. So no, Emily Coors didn't violate Georgia state law. 
Emily Coors didn't violate any of the rules as explained by Judge McBurney. In fact, it's pretty clear she could have disclosed even more than she did. So Donald Trump will have exactly zero legal challenges to make against his indictment, against his prosecution, based on the fact that Ms. Coors gave some interviews. Something else that Ms. Coors made pretty clear, and that is that the grand jury recommended Donald Trump should be indicted. Why do I say that? Well, she danced around that issue. Arguably, she could have come right out and said it according to what Judge McBurney indicated was appropriate for grand jurors to discuss, like the fruits of their investigation, as Judge McBurney said, which would be their final report, but she didn't go that far. But at one point, a reporter said to her, do you know that Donald Trump posted that your grand jury report totally exonerated him? And you could see the surprise on Emily Kaur's face. And she said, he did? He said that? Oh, that's phenomenal. That's fantastic. I love that, is what Miss Kors said. You know what? I'm kind of with Miss Kors on that one. I love that. Because justice matters. Friends, we're getting there. Coming up next, special counsel Jack Smith didn't just fire a shot across the bow, he fired a cannon across the bow when it comes to the Mike Pence subpoena issue. This is Justice Matters. Hi, Beowulf here with Justice Matters, and I'm here to remind you about one of the best decisions I've made recently, getting Factor Meals. Eating is so much easier for me with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor is flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up today and save. I've done the math, and I can tell you, Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved nutritious, and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and start meeting your meal and nutrition goals. Head over to factormeals.com slash glen50 and use code glen50 to get 50% off. That's code glen50 at factormeals.com slash glen50 to get 50% off. Remember, go to factormeals.com slash glenn 50 and use code glenn50 to get 50% off today. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
way special counsel Jack Smith is handling his latest subpoena to former Vice President Mike Pence in the probes of Donald Trump tells us many things about what type of prosecutor he will be in the upcoming court cases. Here's Glenn. So friends, I want to touch on a recent legal development involving special counsel Jack Smith and the subpoena he served on the most cowardly politician in America, Mike Pence. Because this story really tells us a lot about the kind of prosecutor we have in Jack Smith. But it's not at all intuitive from the reporting. So let me start with the reporting and then let's talk about why it tells us so much about the way Jack Smith is proceeding in his investigation of the crimes of Donald Trump. The story first broke in this CBS News article. Headline, special counsel asks judge to compel Mike Pence to testify in January 6th probe. And that story reads in part, federal prosecutors have asked the chief judge in Washington, D.C.'s federal court to compel former Vice President Mike Pence to comply with a grand jury subpoena and testify as a witness in special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into the events surrounding the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol, three people familiar with the investigation told CBS News. Filed less than two weeks after news broke that Pence had received the subpoena, the legal document asks the court to uphold the subpoena's legal authority and indicates Justice Department prosecutors are moving quickly in their attempt to get Pence before a grand jury. And friends, Jack Smith filed this motion asking Chief Judge Beryl Howell to shoot down to deny Mike Pence's privileges before Mike Pence ever set foot in the grand jury and started to invoke those privileges. I want to try to explain why that is so unusual, so important, and so telling. And hopefully, if I can explain it well enough, by the end of this, you'll see why Jack Smith is like a major league baseball pitcher, and he is striking out batters while they're sitting in the dugout before they even have a chance to walk to home plate for their at-bat. So friends, we're gonna start with a discussion of a legal doctrine known as ripeness. And then I'm gonna move on to a real world example of a witness going into the grand jury and pleading the fifth, invoking their fifth amendment right against self-incrimination, a situation prosecutors deal with every day. I dealt with it hundreds of times in my former career as a prosecutor. And I wanna use that to try to help explain why Jack Smith is really a different kind of federal prosecutor. But let's start with the doctrine of ripeness. What is ripeness? Well, let me give you the legal definition. A claim is ripe when the facts of the case have matured into an existing substantial controversy warranting judicial intervention. Clear as mud, right? Bunch of legal mumbo jumbo written by lawyers, probably who were billing by the hour. Let me unravel what the doctrine of ripeness is by using a real world example. Boiled down to its essence, a judge won't decide an issue until it's ripe. 
until it's ready to be decided, until both parties have sort of done everything necessary to bring the issue to a head so it can be presented to a judge and a judge has an issue, a controversy that is well-defined and that can then be decided by the judge. Let me use a real-world example. Often I would subpoena people to testify before the grand jury. You know, for 22 of my 30 years I was trying murder cases and RICO cases in Washington, D.C., so I often use homicide cases as an example. It's what I know. And I would subpoena people to the grand jury who I believed had relevant information and evidence about the murder I was investigating. So let's assume that I have a target of the investigation, somebody that the evidence suggests committed a murder, and I learn that the target's girlfriend is a witness to the murder. And I believe she can identify her boyfriend as the perpetrator, as the killer. We serve her with a subpoena. She comes down to the grand jury. Maybe she has counsel representing her as a witness. If she doesn't, before I put any witness in the federal grand jury, I always advise them. They have a right to a lawyer to advise them as a witness before the grand jury in case, for example, they have a concern about a Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination or other concerns. We can get a lawyer appointed free of charge to help them navigate their way through their grand jury appearance. So let's assume that this witness, together with her lawyer, tells me before we enter the grand jury, I'm going to plead the fifth. I'm going to invoke my right against self-incrimination. Now, that strikes me as odd because I don't have any evidence that she has a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Because the only way you have that right is if your truthful testimony would incriminate you, not if it would incriminate your boyfriend or your loved one or a family member. You can't plead the fifth for that only if your truthful testimony would make it look like you committed a crime. So let's assume this witness said, I'm going to plead the fifth. I don't want to testify. I'm not going to go in there and say anything. I say, okay. And then we go over to see the chief judge who has supervisory responsibility over the grand jury, including litigating privileges that witnesses try to claim. And I say, judge, this witness said she's going to plead the fifth in the grand jury. I don't think she has a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination based on the information I have, I would like you to order her to testify. You know what the judge would say to me? Mr. Kirshner, has she testified yet? Uh, no, Your Honor. So she hasn't gone into the grand jury and pled the Fifth, invoked her Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Not yet, Your Honor. Well then, Mr. Kirshner, the issue isn't ripe. It's not ready for me to decide it. Go back, present her to the grand jury, and see what she does. That's a real-world example, friends, of how an issue is not ripe until it's ripe. Because you know what happens? Often I would have witnesses tell me, I don't want to testify, I'm going to plead the fifth. But it really wasn't because their testimony would incriminate them. It was because it would incriminate their boyfriend or their girlfriend, or their spouse, or their neighbor, or somebody they were scared of, or somebody that they were trying to protect. So they would use the fifth, they would throw it up as an obstacle, as an attempt not to have to testify 
because they just didn't want to testify for any number of reasons. So what would happen is sometimes I would put that kind of a witness in the grand jury, they realized I called their bluff, and they would throw up their hands, and they wouldn't invoke the fifth, and they would go ahead and testify. And that demonstrates or illustrates how the issue ain't ripe until it's ripe, until the witness goes into the grand jury and the prosecutor asks that witness all the questions. Maybe it's maybe it's a hundred questions, maybe it's a thousand questions, it might be five hours worth of testimony, but you have to ask all the questions, you have to let the witness invoke whatever privilege they're going to invoke. Maybe it's the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination, maybe it's the attorney-client privilege, maybe it's the doctor-patient privilege, maybe it's the executive privilege, maybe it's speech or debate clause privilege, which Mike Pence doesn't have, but he might try to pull that one out of his, his sleeve. We'll go with sleeve there. And only after you develop all of that evidence on the record can you then go to the judge and say, now, judge, we want you to assess this and we want you to find, to rule that these privileges are bogus. Mike Pence can't invoke them and we want you to order him to testify. That is the way the issue is ripe. That is the way the issue gets resolved by a judge. But that is not what Jack Smith is doing, friends. That's what pretty much every other federal prosecutor who's been involved in you know, investigating the crimes of Donald Trump and his criminal associates have been doing because that's the way federal prosecutors usually do it. Put Mike Pence in the grand jury, ask him five hours or 10 hours or two days worth of questions because he's not gonna have a privilege to all of them. You know, for example, did you ever talk with Ginny Thomas? Did you ever talk with Scott Perry, Kevin McCarthy? Well, those kind of questions have no privilege not an executive privilege because he wasn't talking with Donald Trump, which is where the executive privilege comes in. And he wasn't talking to his lawyer, so it's not attorney-client privilege. And he's not presumably incriminating himself if he's talking to Kevin McCarthy or Scott Perry. Those men may be incriminating themselves, but that doesn't give Mike Pence a right to plead the fifth. But it's only after you've asked all those questions in the grand jury and develop that record that the issue is ripe to be resolved by the judge. But that takes forever. Because first of all, you gotta get Mike Pence into the grand jury, you gotta wear him out, ask him thousands of questions, develop the record, brief it all up for the judge, set an oral argument schedule, go in and argue it, wait for the judge's decision, and all the while the clock is ticking down. We're burning democracy daylight. Mike Pence is delaying and weaponizing that delay to his advantage and Donald Trump's advantage as our democracy continues to die. And that's not what Jack Smith chose to do, but it is what most prosecutors would have done. Jack Smith said, not this time. This is too important. It's too urgent. It's too time sensitive. So before I ever try to drag Mike Pence into the grand jury by the scruff of the collar, I'm going right to the chief judge. And I want the chief judge to decide if there's enough of a record right now 
for her to order Mike Pence to testify. You know, this is a preemptive move by Jack Smith. This is an offensive move by Jack Smith. This is Jack Smith going hard and going fast, going scorched earth in the direction of accountability. No two ways about it. And friends, maybe it will succeed and maybe it will fail. Maybe Judge Beryl Howell will say, no, I, I think you need to put him in the grand jury and follow the normal, slow, time-consuming process. Jack Smith is not satisfied by following the same old blueprint. You know why? The same old blueprint has never been applied to a criminal president who tried to overthrow our democracy and a vice president who is trying to hide, bury, secrete the evidence of Donald Trump's crimes that he, Mike Pence, has. Mike Pence is the smallest, most scared, most unpatriotic man in America right now, unwilling to tell the grand jury, just like he was unwilling to tell the January 6th committee about the crimes of Donald Trump that were designed, that were committed in an attempt to kill our democracy. Mike Pence. And Jack Smith is having none of it. So friends, when I say that Jack Smith it's like a baseball pitcher striking out people in the dugout or trying his level best to do so. That is precisely what he's doing. And we have, I believe, and I hope we're not being fooled, but I don't think we are, we have a special kind of justice warrior in Jack Smith. And I know people who've worked directly for him, and that's what they tell me their take is, their experience is, their belief is, and it's an informed belief. So I know justice has taken forever. I know sometimes we can't see accountability anywhere on the horizon, but friends, it feels to me it really does. Like with the one-two justice punch of District Attorney Fawny Willis, on the eve virtually of indicting Donald Trump and his criminal associates and Jack Smith doing what few federal prosecutors would do, not going by the tired old blueprint because no one has ever had to draw up a blueprint for a criminal president trying to you know, attack the Capitol, stop his political opponents win and unconstitutionally retain the power of the presidency you know, that calls for a new approach. You don't just follow the same old blueprint. So with the one-two justice punch of Fawny Willis and Jack Smith, I wish I could say it was a, a three-punch combination and put Alvin Bragg in the mix, but I don't think we're there yet. And I don't think Alvin Bragg has even given anybody a light slap, never mind a good justice punch. I'm talking figuratively, not literally, not violence but I'm not prepared to say we've got a three-punch combination working at this point, but we've got a one-two justice punch. And I am feeling better today about the prospects of Donald Trump and his criminal associates being held accountable than I have felt in a very long time. Because justice matters. Friends, as always, please stay safe, please stay tuned. And I look forward to talking with you all again soon. For more on Glenn, go to Glenn Kirshner 2 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. This is Justice Matters.